to the Counterpoint Podcast. I am Deke. I am Rob. I'm Steph. We're here to talk about social media of today. The latest um, and greatest. We have some really cool guests on this episode. We're covering a lot of awesome topics. We've got folks from Disney who are going to talk to us about branding and social media. We yep. have Paige Zilba, TikTok star extraordinaire, talking about TikTok and a little bit about Vine. Rest in peace, Vine. Yes. And all kinds of cool tips and tricks for how you can up your social media game. Yeah. Marketing and insights with branding. Like this is a, this is a very, very good episode, in my opinion, because it's chocked full of hands-on real-world information. So we are nothing if not practical here at CounterPoint. That's I think exactly you guys right. need to be more pumped about this. This is a great episode. Like We should be <laughs> excited to be putting this out into the metaphorical airwaves. Deke and I are liking this post. You're loving it. I am I am hearting it and hugging it and giving it an LOL. And K-reacting. Uh-huh. Let's get into it. Here we go. To kick things off, we sit down with Disney's Laura Gonzalez and Lisa Linares, the social media experts behind Decapella. All right, for those of you who are longtime members of the acapella community, and even those of you who are newbies, you are probably used to pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. You're probably used to the do-it-yourself method of not only creating your art, but publicizing it through social media. However, with us today, we have two of the most wonderful and insightful members of the second largest media company in the world, and yet the most beloved. Two people from the Disney Music Group, who I've been working closely with on Decapella. And in fact, it was with you, Laura, where where we created Decapella, sitting in a snowed-in New York City breakfast room while recording in transit. So anyway, allow me to introduce the one and only Laura Gonzalez and Lisa Linares. Thank you so much, ladies, for being on this call. It's thank fun. You, it's like the world's colliding. Let me start off with a question, and then we'll just have a freewheeling conversation uh, wherever it goes. You've both worked in promoting and publicizing uh, a wide range of different kinds of music through a number of different channels, not just social media, but I think Decapella was your first experience with acapella. Is that right? This is Laura. Yeah. Yeah, for me it is, and then I'll let Lisa talk about her experience. Before Decapella, I did do a couple of projects um, with Peter Hollins and Alex G. We did a we oh, did a couple of songs, and they did right. a medley for us. Um, that was, I think, back in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten or so. Um, oh, the good old days. Yeah, that was my first experience um, with like this new resurgence of acapella. Um, My experience before was like very much barbershop quartet and things like that. I didn't really realize or didn't really know that this amazing compositions and music could be, you know, performed in this way. So I was blown away by Peter back in the day. I was just so blown away because I was like, he signed it out with this, what? (laughs) And this is a thing? (laughs) From then on, I was intrigued. Uh, My partner in crime, uh, Danny Markman, who does A&R for the Disney Music Group, from then on, we were like, oh my God, there is just something between, you know, acapella and Disney. Like if you go on YouTube, almost every other acapella group, band, person, individual does the Disney songs. And it's just because mm-hmm. it's such a treasure trove of, you know, music that is so nostalgic and so representative for so many of us that we were like, okay, we need to figure out, we need to figure out a way in which we can officially support acapella in this amazing way of interpreting our music. And then, you know, as fate would put us, we ended up working 
with the Deacon in transit um, because we represent Kristen uh, Lopez. I've been working for the Disney Music Group for the past 12 years. And before that, you know, I'm originally born and raised in Mexico, in Monterey. And I went to college and I had as an understudy kind of degree um, theater in, in performing arts. And mm. I was just, you know, arts and performing arts and, and singing has always been like my career that I wasn't allowed to pursue mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like my thing so now you guys can imagine how it all comes you know together for me and it's just that's actually a great segue um Laura and I have that in common as far as having that theater and musical background I also went to college to study theater and was in singing groups in high school. So I always had an interest in that. But as far as Disney goes and acapella goes, yeah, this decapella is the first Disney act that I have worked with. Before I started working with Laura on the marketing team, I actually came from the radio promotion team mm-hmm. and worked on the Hollywood record side of the Disney music group. Sure. So I was more entrenched in all of the pop and rock acts that the Hollywood records label covers. Um, so Decapella has really been the very first Disney strong thing that I've been involved in. Can you both tell us what you do more specifically for Decapella? As you talked about how you got to the group, but now working with the group, what do you both focus on with the group? Yeah, we are both on the marketing team at the Disney Music Group. We're both also focused on catalog music mostly and concerts and, you know, a lot of special projects and things like that. So Decapella came as a fusion of, you know, us trying to figure out um, ways to keep the Disney catalog fresh and top mm-hmm. of mind. Okay. And the Disney concerts team, which is a separate division within the Disney Music Group, trying to figure out a different kind of offering that we could put together. So, you know, we blended both worlds and Lise and I have been heavily involved since the beginning. Not only, you know, the concept of, you know, let's create a group or let's create a touring entity that can go, you know, take around the world really and bring the magic of Disney to people's homes. But my background is mostly in branding and developing brands and just overall developing them and then pushing them and bringing brand awareness Mm -hmm. and making Mm -hmm. something that people can relate to. Mm -hmm. So from the get-go, I have been spearheading not only in terms of what this brand is, in terms of logos and visuals and creative, but also working really close with Deke and with Danny in figuring out their sound. What does the sound look, uh, sounds like? What, mm. How far or how true we want to stay to the music or how different. Um, it is typically me pushing Deke and being like, get out of the box, bring me something. <laughs> <laughs> Dubstep, go. Yeah. It's like, can I? Like, uh, what, there must be rules about dealing with Disney music, Laura. And I'm like, no, just go out of it. Just bring me something. <laughs> yeah. And And Lisa really um, has been my, you know, we're partners in crime in this because we try to figure out first, once we came up with, well, this is the group, then it's about getting to know them because it's not just, you know, a show. This is about seven people and their personalities and how they blend mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've been working a lot in, in everything, in like even helping them how to present themselves. Right. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them were used to becoming a character like Morgan. Morgan was used to, you know, she was in the cast of Newsies, so she was 
you know, she was in Broadway, so she was used to become a character. So, you know, when coming together, one of the first things that I sat down with them, I was like, I want you. Who are you? Show me who you are. And that helps when you're developing a brand. You can't really make it plastic. You can't really tell mm. them you're going to be the one that laughs because that comes out so not authentic to people. And especially with mm-hmm. this music, you just have to live it and, and feel it and, and make you know people feel something. So. Totally. We're very focused on, you know, the branding, the developing of this brand, taking it out there and bringing awareness to them, training them. Like we, we are, Lisa spearheads a lot of the social media with them. And, you know, she has every, throughout the years, she's changed her strategy on, you know, okay, now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do that. And it is really, it's helping them become a brand, but also an individual brand, knowing them. Mm. for them to know themselves, yeah. what they have to offer. And then once we start seeing that, then, you know, we come back and we're like, okay, this is how we're going to push it out. Totally. Cool. It makes so much sense. One thing that I really want to get at with you guys is for the acapella groups that are listening to this, for the groups that are doing this independently, there's a lot of people that are out there like working on their social media strategy. They're trying to figure out, you know, how they can take, especially now where there's very little live performance, mm-hmm. you know, how can you take your online presence to the next level? Being inside this huge media group, what works? You know, what what are the what are the things that is really from a social media perspective set a group apart and can really take a group to the next level? Being in part of a big conglomerate and being part of a label, it's not we, we don't sit and we're like, okay, today we're going to be doing this and tomorrow let's do that. No. It's um we set up our goals every year or every six months for Decapella is mm-hmm. being every six months because it has shifted directions so much Mm -hmm. uh, from its inception. So at first it was, we were going to sell a tour. So in order for us to be able to sell a tour, we needed to launch the project and bring awareness to the project. So at the first, it wasn't specifically about the individual members or it wasn't about developing personalities. It was more about creating uh, pieces of content that would feature them singing and singing live that would spark interest. So we worked on an album, we worked on several music videos, we worked with our synergy partners in order to really establish them as, you know, make them like this with Disney and music. Make every single opportunity that the Disney company had throughout that year while we were gearing up and, and getting ready for the tour, making them be part of every musical opportunity that was out there Mm -hmm. so that whole first eight months was not about who they are was more about how they operate as a joint and how you know the music that they create and what it is like what is decapella so that informs everything that we do to your point about strategy is like really important as a group to first understand what are your goals like what is it that you want to accomplish in this time and and set yourself a time like for us it was we have eight months to set up this tour eight months until we go on sale so what can i do in this eight months in order to push myself forward and make people know who i am so by the time that i go on sale, then our focus changed. Then it wasn't about, oh, who is the Capella? It was about, what is this show? You know, uh-huh. come and see the show. Mm-hmm. So then our strategy changed completely. It wasn't so much about the pieces of music that we were releasing, because the album had released by then, and all of our music videos had released by then. We shifted 
gears, again, part of our strategy to now, it's now about selling tickets. So all of the message that we put out there, social media and wise and all the media that we bought was pushing ticket sales. And all of the press appearances, interviews, and anything that was done during those, you know, eight months was to drive awareness to the ticket sale. So your Mm -hmm. message is completely Mm -hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. come again in January when the tour is now launched, we need to continue to push and sell tickets, but then it changed. Then it started to become a little bit about them on tour. Got you know, it. so right. we started making pieces of their experiences while they're on tour. Lisa does a lot of this with the group in terms of, you know, just capture everything that you're doing through the day, send it to us, and then we figure out how we put pieces together in which mm-hmm. it shows a day in the life of a tour. Right. Why? Because that continues to help us with our narrative and what we are focused on in that time. And it's all about that. Like, for Throughout Dick Capella all this time, it's been always, you know, and it's always good to assess your strategy like six months into it, sit down and, and like, okay, what are my goals? What do I want to achieve in the next six months to eight months to a year? And how can I get it? How can I achieve that? And what am I going to need to capture in terms of content? And mm-hmm. what am I going to need to do in terms of just overall strategy and how I can bring to life in all of the different platforms mm-hmm. that I'm active on. So for Dicapella, it mm-hmm. was, you know, synergy, it was social media and it was music content. So it has been shifting. And every time that we changed a member, every time that, you know, we have to shift there, that's another strategy and move. We've been fortunate enough to know in advance when someone's going to leave so we right. can sit down and be like, okay, So now our strategy is this. At first, it was a a lot of collaboration between Lisa and me. Now she, I just go and I'm like, okay, your strategy, your mission is this. And then she's like, go. So for example, right now, (laughs) our strategy is like, okay, so it's all about personalities. Let's show people who they are because now I have a group that is locked. (laughs) Now that I said the strategy of like, okay, Elisa, we need to get to know them. And then, you know, she takes over all on her own. This is, it's all on her own now. Lisa, can you talk a little bit about what those strategies are of ways in which we can get to know the individual members of the group, like a group as a whole? Because like there's such a balance there between like maintaining the authenticity of the individual members, but also it's inherently not authentic in that it's being recorded, you know what I mean? (laughs) For social media. Yeah, anything that's recorded and produced is there in fact, not authentic. Exactly. So (laughs) that's like, that is my huge question of like, how do you, especially being in the Disney umbrella, how do you balance that authenticity with the inherent lack thereof for a group? I think it's a combination of things and using all kinds of media. So first of all, we want to stay topical and we want to be trending and we want to be doing things and immersing ourselves in things that are trending. So for example, a lot of things that we've done include YouTube challenges for mm-hmm. that's really popular mm-hmm. online. And mm-hmm. it also happens to be a way in which we can present the seven members of the group where they're not singing, they're not on stage, they're doing something else. Right. They're in the real world or they're playing a game or we've done vlogging. So it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff of them in the studio. So that's one part of it. I think another part of it is also that, like Laura was saying earlier, I have them record all kinds of things. When they were on tour and I wasn't with them, I was like, use your phones. I mean, they're they're all very savvy and right. into social yeah. media in their own right and they have their own accounts. 
So it's never, I never had to twist their arm to record mm-hmm. things. <laughs> it would capture everything. We set up an iCloud and I was just like, dump it all in there and oh, then cool. sift through it. So because it's something that they're recording themselves, that has that feeling of authenticity because it's Kaylin being herself with Orlando doing a selfie or a funny boomerang or something like that. Sure. So I think that the fact that a lot of the content is actually recorded by them on their phones, that's also another way to um, make things feel authentic or another way in which they are. And then I think also having them interface with fans and with their followers Mm -hmm. uh, across Mm -hmm. their our social content accounts. So we do a lot of, I think I may have mentioned it earlier, but a lot of takeovers. RJ just did one this week. It was, I mean, I I watched it. He did, he's been living in Spain, for example. And so he did a whole day. So he took followers along and went and saw the sites and had paella and it was all very, you know, and, and his personality comes across in those posts Mm -hmm. and and all of that interaction. And then at the end of the day, he sits down and he opens it up to a live conversation and he actually engaged with fans in real time. And so they've all done that a couple of times now. And we have them do things that naturally come out as part of their personality. Orlando does a lot of songwriting Mm -hmm. with with fans like live on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, Kaylin is very into fashion. And so she's done some things that are based in in styling and her love of Disney clothes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a combination of all those things, having them engage with fans, having them record their own content and showing them outside of the studio or doing other things. Let me also mention seeing something that's very different about Di Capella from other acapella groups. Uh, a couple things you that you guys do that's brilliant. One of them is consistency. Almost every day there's something posted in their social media yeah. just to keep them front of mind. And that is not the case for any other acapella group that I've ever seen. There, there are often you know long swaths of time, maybe months, where groups will have nothing posted but Decapella's always got something out there, which is brilliant. And also, the engagement, it's just so clever. Like, uh, the one I think was yesterday where it was like, you know, there's a picture of Antonio and you see him kind of hanging out. Like, here's Antonio, he's our, he's our amazing vocal percussionist, but he also sings some great solos and he did Everybody Wants to Be a Cat and Go the Distance. Like, what would be a great song for him to sing next? So what you're doing is you're putting it on fans to then comment on these posts, which then drives more interaction and then other people can comment on this. Oh, that would be a great song for him, et cetera, et cetera. Both of those are very simple things that any group could do, but mm-hmm. they're not doing them. Right. And it, it really sets Capella apart. You can't just post something and forget about it. If you it's really want there. your social media channels to be a tool for you, you need to take care of them and you need to nurture them and you need to understand them and you need to understand the things that perform and not perform and the things that are going to make you bring more followers and amplify your message. So if we did one time something that, you know, the comments were just, and I was like, no, we are never going to do this mm-hmm. ever, ever mm-hmm. again. And if we do <laughs> this, all this list of things, like I was quality control, probably everybody hated me for it because I was like, this is everything. But all, only because it's, it's just how much detail you have to take care of every single thing that comes out 
of you, mm-hmm. you know, of, of your channels, everything, it's another brand deposit. It's another way that you're bringing your message forward and mm-hmm. it all needs to be consistent. It all needs to be telling the same story mm-hmm. and it all needs to be pushing the same message out there. And all of a sudden, you know, you're saying that you do this magical things with your voice and then you put out a video where you don't sound so magical. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, That's the brand like, deposit, yeah. you just cashed out like, you know, a check. Boom! Your, mm-hmm. yep. your cred just went out a little. Deke's like, when did we not sound magical? Come on. Oh, oh no, I know. Look, listen, anybody can have an off day and, and the bottom oh, yeah. line is you have to be your own quality control. Yeah. And I love that Laura and Lisa have such clear eyes and they're, they're, they're like, nope, this isn't going to work or this isn't going to be good enough when you have people all in their own homes trying to create something together like it's di- more difficult to create that harmony and bring them all together or if you're doing something at 6 a.m and people aren't entirely awake it's like nah, we're not going to do a live mm-hmm. you know stream right now let's wait until everybody's warmed up like yeah. it, it's best foot forward capella are fantastically talented but everybody in acapella has their moments where they're not going to be great so it's about setting yourself up for success totally. and one other thing that i think that uh, Lisa and Laura keep tagging on that people listening may, may think like, well, we don't have that. They may be thinking like, okay, well, Disney says, okay, 30th anniversary of Little Mermaid. Now let's push out some Little Mermaid stuff and, and building a calendar around that because the goals are constantly changing. But people in the outside world, like when's Prince's birthday? When's it the anniversary of, of the Beatles? Like you can take your songs, look at constant events on the calendar that are coming up and just put a pin in them. And when it's Prince's birthday, you share your Prince video again. It's National Ice Cream Day. That's when you're going to share your ice cream song. So you you have all the content you've created can be refreshed and renewed and and shared in times that are topical. And you don't know which one of those is going to explode and go viral, but... You got to keep being smart about it mm-hmm. because the more at bats you have, the greater your chances you're right. going to have a home and I would, run. At some I would point. think also, you know, synergy with local events too. You know, you're, you're, the things that you're talking about in terms of like, oh, oh they're yeah. going to sing at this, you know, this big Disney event. All right, well, the smaller version of that is your local harvest festival, and you guys are going to be the, sure. you know, you're going to be the face of that this year. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is, like I think that there's ways yeah. to take that same principle on a smaller scale and you know build things more locally. Absolutely. The planning, you hit it right on the nail. Even if you're, you know, a starting group. It's about the planning. It's about not only understanding, like I said before, what your brand is mm-hmm. and, and what you're offering um, and setting your strategy. Like for the next six months, we're going to be focused on, you know, pushing content out there. The best thing that we can suggest is that we now are, you know, we follow this rule is we set aside a whole month and we capture all kinds of things in a month and we bank all that content. So be there, it be, we shoot a music video. Um, we have Deke record new songs or new arrangements. We have them do photo shoots. We have them do lifestyle shoots. We have them do YouTube, whatever pieces we bank, bank everything. And that's a great right now. Mm-hmm. Like we were able to accomplish so much during before when COVID hit, cause we had done exactly that. We have banked so much content and so much stuff that it allows us to do what Diki's saying every day. We have yeah. something to post we, together for the whole month of February. It yeah. just so happened yeah. that we had them together last yeah. right before everything closed down. Every day is spent capturing mm-hmm. things. And it was, and that was why the, our strategy was so important to be focused on what we needed 
needed to accomplish. Our, our focus was get as much as we can with Kelly because we have a new member. Mm-hmm. Music, music videos, content, content of them interacting as a group, of them welcoming her, but also individual pieces. Now new photos. Now let's start. Now our strategy is getting to know them individually. So now it's like individual photos and you start seeing more pieces of them on their own and things like that. But all of that, like was, we determined that in December, in Mm -hmm. January. So by the time that we set aside that time, like it was a role. We were, everybody was very well informed on what we were trying to do. And that informed our next eight months of, or, of, uh, you know, figuring out, you know, new releases and whatnot with the group. You know, if you know your calendar year of being active is of six months, Mm -hmm. then it will behoove you to sit down at the beginning to be like, okay, these are the the milestones. These are the key events or the key things that we need to be on and on top of our rehearsal and getting us to sound amazing then we also have to figure out you know let's capture everything and to Dick's point let's figure out on that calendar if there are anything that's happening already like low-hanging fruit if, they, if it's mm. like the ice cream yeah like do the milkshake everybody do the milkshake the planning that either no matter how big or small you are Knowing who you are as a brand, having a strategy and a plan of what you want to accomplish, putting your goals like a very, very collectively where everybody's informed. That's the other thing that we do with the group. We sit down and we tell them, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to achieve. And this, and now everybody's informed in it. So mm. you can see it even on their individual, like on the things that the group for now is doing on their own. They're mm. pushing out more content on their individual than any other time because they get it now that they're building their persona. So they do it now. They took whatever we're doing on Decapella socials. They're taking it on their individuals right? because, you know, they believe in it so much that they they have to show the world who they are. Um, and I think the last one is just the planning, planning and, and putting everything in a way in which it's calendarized and goal setting and banking as much as it, uh, as it is. That's so great. That's awesome. That's a perfect note for us yeah. to go out on. Laura, Lisa, thank Woo. you so much for thank your time. You so this much. was so, thank so you. instructive. I think groups are going to get a lot out of this. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now, here's BJ Rosales with some Instagram tips for your daily life. Hey, everyone. This is BJ Rosales from the Philharmonic talking to you about my top three tips for posting on Instagram. For my first tip, the first thing you want to think about is obviously the picture quality of your photo. And I would say that lighting is super important. Studies actually show that brighter pictures get more attention than darker pictures. And so what I do is I use all sorts of apps to brighten up the picture, basically a post edit, and um, make sure that everything is looking really nice and clear and crisp and, you know, sharpened pictures and all that really, really good stuff. I really, really like to showcase high quality pictures. So make sure you do that. And then I would say the second most important thing is your caption, location, and your tags. Um, Just make sure that you have a really fun caption that kind of grabs people's attention because not only do people look at the picture, but they look at the caption underneath that picture. And so that has a lot to do with how well your post does. And then I would say that you can also tag your location because the more tags that you have 
within the post, more people will be able to find it. So I always like to tag a location. And I'm always in Los Angeles, so I'm always tagging Los Angeles, California. But, you know, depending on where you are, tag yourself in that location. And then also tags are super important. Just tagging different profiles on Instagram onto your picture. I think that that's important as well. You know, whoever else is in your picture, it could be a different brand. Those actually kind of help drive people to that post. And then lastly, I would say the time of day that you post is super important. Depending where you are, obviously the first rule is make sure you're posting when people are awake within the time zone that you are in. That's super important because you want people to see your posts. But also there's a analytics option that you can check on Instagram where it kind of shows your following, your followers, and when they're awake, when they're active on Instagram. I would say take a look at that. And in general, just post when people are awake and post, I would say, morning or midday. Don't post too late at night because then no one will see your posts and you want a wider variety of people to see those posts in the morning, afternoon and evening, depending on the time zone. So that's super important. Make sure that you follow those three tips and you can see your posts do much better. But in the end... I actually have four tips and not just three. My fourth one is actually don't overthink it. Post things that you want to post about and post when you feel like you want to and not need to um, because that's important for mental health, but it's also important for you to reflect something that you're proud of instead of having to post something every time, if that makes sense. So remember, there's a good balance between really thinking about what you post, but also just posting for the love of reflecting your life onto social media. So I hope this makes sense and I hope this helps out. And once again, I'm VJ Rosales from The Philharmonic. You can find me on Instagram at VRO Music. And thanks again for having me. Bye. And now let's kick it on over to Paige Zilba, TikTok star and beatbox extraordinaire. With us for this segment is one of my favorite people. Her name Woo. is Paige Zilba. And Paige, I'm going to read. I was Googling you to just see, you know, what, what do I not know about Paige Zilba? And I came <laughs> up with wikifamouspeople.com. And I just felt like they did such a good job <laughs> with your bio that I'm just going to read the bio for you on wikifamouspeople.com. So Paige Zilba Here we is go. the famous model, TikTok star, and Instagram <laughs> star from the USA. She is a beatboxer, singer, songwriter. She's appeared in many videos. <laughs> <laughs> she is known for her beautiful looks, cute smile, style, and amazing personality. She is among one of the most trending girls in TikTok. She is primarily famous for comedy video clips, dancing videos, and perform lip syncs on TikTok. She is also popular for her eye-catching Instagram pictures and videos. She has a huge fan following. You will soon be seeing her in modeling shoots. I'm adding the question mark because I want to know if that's true. She runs a YouTube channel where she uploads fun videos. We walk you through all about her. <laughs> Check her wiki age family facts and more. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Paige Zilva. Whether it's a robot or a person like has a big crush on I you. Think, I, think, I think a robot wrote that and yeah. I think that they totally do like robot. it. So for those of you who don't know Paige, who obviously probably don't know Paige much better after that <laughs> robot told you about her, you have 
am I correct? You have 4.5 million followers on TikTok. Is that right? That Whoa. is correct. That's Whoa. crazy. Yeah. So, you know, not too shabby. It's casual. It's um, casual. And you pivoted over from Vine. Rest in peace, Vine. Rest in but peace. But let's go back to the beginning, because I think it's really interesting. You are somebody who got started in acapella. You're primarily a beatboxer, as the robot told us. But I think it'd be really cool to talk about, you know, how you got started in acapella specifically, and then how you transferred all of your acapella skills into what you're doing now, which is being a full-time TikTok star, essentially. Right. That's really your deal right now. So why don't you just tell us how you got started with acapella and where the beginnings were, and we'll just kind of, we'll go from the beginning. Sure. I actually started beatboxing when I was in fifth grade. And honestly, I think it was just because rap was coming out and it was all these like mainstream songs and all the boys in my class were rapping and one kid was beatboxing and I just was like, yo, what is that? So I started doing it, probably annoying the heck out of my mom every day. Like, I can school. do that better. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, bring it. So yeah. So I started beatboxing every day, but I kind of kept it to myself because it wasn't something I, I've never seen another girl do that. So then I started being like, oh, no, like, am I weird for doing that? So I just didn't do it in public until I was in high school and my choir teacher overheard me practicing when I was like in the hallway one day. And she said, you should try out for my acapella group. And I didn't really know what it was. I just said, oh, I'm, I'm really not the best singer right now. I mean, I'm working on it. And she says, no, no, no. I want you to beatbox. It's like, what? I had no idea what it was. So I tried out and then I was beatboxing and amongst all these singers. And I, I immediately fell in love. I said, oh, my goodness. I, can, I did not believe there was something I could do with this. So uh, I was in this acapella group. It was my favorite thing to do after school. And then I, once I graduated, I went off to college at Baldwin Wallace University. And I was like, OK, I need to be in an acapella group. I just need to. So I was looking around campus to see if there was one. And the only one that was around was an all-male acapella group. And so I was even like... You know, I can pull a She's the Man and, like, draw a beard. Uh-huh. And, like, <laughs> favorite movie, by the way. Favorite movie. We oh. watched it, like, three weeks ago. Yes. So, I, they were like, oh, we would love to have you. You know, unfortunately, no, that doesn't fly. So, it's like, okay. And I thought, there's something I need to do. So, I actually then started my own group called Soul. And then I did that for all four years of college. And that's when I first saw then Pitch Perfect. And then I just fell in love with acapella even more. More, and I just got more serious about it. And I did a Pitch Perfect commercial. And then like there was a Pitch Perfect episode app thing that I did. And I started to realize that this is something I could just continue to do every day. So then I moved out to Los Angeles after I graduated and pursued. I did some music therapy out here and continued to pursue beatboxing. And then TikTok came around. I Some talent scout, she was looking for people and she reached out to me and said, do you want to be on? TikTok. It's a new app coming out. I said, sure, I don't know anything about it, but why not? Oh, I didn't realize you got, like, scouted for oh, TikTok. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So- it was like before it even started. Before it started. It was musically at yeah. the time. And so she right. said it's merging into TikTok. And she said, we're just looking for people. And I, I liked your content. And it was a really cool interaction because she didn't even like ask anything of me. She just said, I just really like your stuff. And I want to like pitch you to TikTok. So after she did that, my videos just started kind of like going off on TikTok. And it was really cool. So here I am today. That's so cool. So you got scouted for TikTok. But before even TikTok, you were on Vine. Like that was how you got right. your, your first start, right? So how did you get started with that stuff initially before you were even into TikTok? How did you get started with the Vine stuff? Vine, it seems so long ago now, but I started Vine 
time in the middle of college, my cousin actually, we were at my at our grandparents' house in Florida, and she's like, "You should join Vine. It's like short videos. I think you would do really well." So I was like, "Okay, I'll give it a try." And I just started. It was really difficult at first to come up with like a six seven second video skit, but I just started posting beatboxing stuff there, and I think I took off a little bit because there was one famous person that commented or shared something that I had done. And so I got a little more followers from that. So uh, I just really fell in love with content creation at that point because it was super fun and challenging to come up with a creative skit within like a certain amount of time. I primarily got started on that and then, you know, Vine, unfortunately, left. (laughs) So what did you do in the transition time between Vine and TikTok? What was, how did you bridge that gap? Honestly, so I was still in school at that point. So once Vine just kind of went away, I just continued to focus on schoolwork and music therapy. And once I graduated, I, that's when I decided to move to LA and TikTok kind of happened within the first year I moved out to LA um, around the fall time. So uh, it wasn't, there wasn't, too much of a gap then other than I just continued to work towards getting my degree. So it kind of worked out that I wasn't too distracted because TikTok is very distracting. (laughs) What's the TikTok you spent the longest on? I'm curious. I think probably one of the ones that actually went the most viral. I did an evolution of beatboxing. So I did Mm. it throughout the years of like, this is me one week of beatboxing. This is me right, five right, months. Right. So that one took me a while because it was such a long video. I was trying to get it perfect of being like, okay, how did I beatbox like the first week I tried beatboxing? <laughs> <laughs> so it was hard for me to try and figure out like the different levels of like, okay, I'm so used to doing it at this level. How do I... How do I come back? So talk to us a little about being scouted for TikTok. And I guess like what were the videos that you were making before you were scouted? And then once you had the conversations with them, how did that or did it shift your approach to content creation? That's a great question. So I actually was just creating content for Instagram. I think I had just turned my profile to public really around Mm -hmm. that time that I moved out here. And so I was just creating like random beatboxing and singing videos just like for my own personal like hobby and for my friends to enjoy so I didn't even ever think that somebody would really look at my Instagram to to scout me for anything so Mm -hmm. I wasn't even on any other kind of platform Uh, I wasn't really on YouTube either so when she reached out to me she was basically giving me tutorial she was asked me if I was interested in TikTok I said sure why not I have nothing else to lose so once we got started with that she was teaching me how to use the app and uh, different things that might make something go viral or what other people are using. So I did a lot of research and I was, she kind of gave me some homework to like look through and scroll, which is always mm. my advice to people too. When people ask me about TikTok, my best advice is just, you got to take the time to sit there and like scroll because mm. you'll get a good idea of what's trending or what people are liking. And it really did change my perspective to content creation and how you film something or how much you smile and look at the camera, how engaging you have to be within like the first second you turn on your camera. So mm-hmm. those are all things that I learned during that recruitment process because Gen Z is, whoa, such a different generation of kids yeah. and <laughs> what they're into. So it's taken a lot of time to to learn that. I would love to hear about, you know, what are those things that you have to keep in mind? Like, what are the things that you're thinking about in terms of, you know, you just said like, you have to be super engaging right off the bat, mm. you know, like, what does that mean? And how can we, how can we apply that for acapella groups that are looking to have, you know, success in that same medium? Honestly, that's a really good bridge between like content creation and live performance, because there is mm. such a, they're just so alike in so many ways. Mm. And even though there's a camera versus a live audience, it's very similar in your approach. And so to be engaging right 
right off the bat. I noticed too, like when I do research and I've done research on acapella, I'm super engaged right away with like a striking chord or a striking kind of dance move that something that's really eyeball, something that really pops out and stands out that's that's unique, that keeps people to keep wanting to watch. And mm-hmm. also having a diversity within your content. So for me, I always like preface something with like a challenge or this is a beatbox challenge I'm going to do because people want right. to see mm-hmm. if I can actually do it. Or mm-hmm. I'll start it off with something uh, super like like catchy something that stands out because I noticed that if I do something that's kind of like if I like play my guitar and start singing I've always been like why doesn't that go as well you know and I was like I think it's because it's not really as captivating at first like people like mm-hmm. with short videos they want to be impressed within a short amount of time and so I think with acapella there's so much that's it's super cool that it's all with your mouth and your voice and definitely I relate to that even not just on a beatbox level but like on a singing level and being super innovative with your sounds and what you can do as a group that's different and unique than what you hear before. But yeah, definitely having that first second be something that's super confident, super engaging with the audience, something that is super unique to you and to your group Mm. and super authentic. Also, authenticity always goes such a long way with everything. And TikTok has always preached that to us to be super authentic and original Mm. and what you do. Yeah. Something that I've always noticed with your videos is, and this is, it's such a great captivating thing that you do. And I don't know how intentional or not it is, but you like laugh at yourself (laughs) a lot, (laughs) like in a great way, like you're laughing with us, but not like, something silly that it's it's almost just like you're so grounded in like how crazy the world is and the things that you're doing like with us and it like gives us permission to like enjoy it that in a much deeper uh-huh. level because it feels like you're really enjoying it too you're like in on the fun yeah, yeah. you're like in on the fun of it yeah Oh, well, thank you so much. That makes me feel better because honestly, that is one of the biggest comments that I tend to get is people always mm-hmm. say, why is she laughing? <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's because I I always just see myself as just like, you know, like the same as everyone else. I don't really I've never thought of like a hierarchy of people. I just think we're all people and there's right. a, like no better remedy in life than just finding like laughter and joy in something. And most of the time I do end up laughing at myself for something, how silly something sounds or right. just like how ridiculous something is, but how much you like it because it's ridiculous and silly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Yeah. It's like you, we like it that much more because it's a, like whatever you do is always like amazing, Thank but it you. is like so ridiculous to be trying to imitate like a lipstick or like a lip gloss container being pulled out and screwed on. Like that's like so hilarious in and of itself. And it feels like we're both able to laugh with you and also appreciate the skill. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, the the laughter is, and it's seeing the joy you have in the entire act of of creating whatever you're doing and of like sharing it with other people. That's the key. Right. And you can't fake that. Like that's in your eyes. That's in your laughter. It's part of your personality. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's who you are. That's, uh, that's why I think it works. Right. And people couldn't fake that. Here's a bit of amusing and then hopefully drilling down into a very specific question that we can get an answer for. So content, it seems has 
continued to distill as we've moved online. And now uh, Vine, of course, was, was particularly short. But as you're saying with Gen Z, I don't even know if it's their attention span per se. <laughs> it's the need for... Well, because I don't want to be disparaging, but it's the need for the content to be super captivating in the first moments. Yeah, the um, world's fast. Everything's yeah, quick Yeah, well, now. I think my big... I feel like you're, you're saying, I think my understanding of it, it's just one perspective, is that time is now... Like, attention, right, has <laughs> such a value to it in a way that it didn't before sure. because there's so much content out there. That's certainly what it for is. me and my experience That's with TikTok is. is I want that 60 seconds to matter. A TikTok that like doesn't deliver on the promise is so like when there's a part two or something like that with the trend Ugh. of like the when you had to go to the hospital for something weird and then there's a part two. Like I saw in the comment sections of videos like that, how quickly people just ended up scrolling past it. They were like, don't watch this. It's Nobody cares about a part two. And that trend kind of, it seems, has kind of dissipated, less because something new has come to light, but more so because it those videos inherently don't deliver on the promise of that first three seconds of this is going to be a crazy story and I'm going to bring you into the world with me. I want to hear the rest of the musing because I want to see what the question was. I'm thinking back to when I was a kid and there were really three networks and that was it. You, If you wanted to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you had to have your TV turned on at 8 p.m. on Wednesday before Christmas. Right. And that's what it was going to be on. It was like much, the whole idea of must-see TV was because it only happened once, right? And then, of mm-hmm. course, we've got cable television. There are more channels, whatever. Now we have the internet and we have Netflix and there's basically you're not kind of choosing between three things to watch at any given time and kind of setting your schedule around the fact that they're there. Mm. You have the ability to watch anything you want, millions of different things whenever you want to watch it, which then changes the relationship between the individual and the item. Now, uh, of course, with literature and things like that, libraries have been full of all of these books. You could use any book at any time. So it's not as though it's changed the nature of art per se, but it's the perception that we have that it needs to be immediately compelling. And it just has to grab you from the very first instant or else people won't stick with it any longer. The question is this, with that now being the contract, as you say, Stephanie, and that being something, a, a skill that you've learned, and yet acapella still remains more or less in song form, where we're dealing with three to four minutes of content, what do you think acapella groups should do to make those first three to five seconds super compelling page? Like, What, what mm. skills would you bring to bear? Is it what, what would you tell an acapella group to do? How do you make those first three to five seconds super compelling, knowing that the full unit is going to be much longer. Right. No, that is a great question. And I think in terms definitely of acapella, a lot of what I notice about like Gen Z and the internet being so fast paced is that a lot of people still are interested in that wow factor because mm-hmm. there are videos that go viral that there's something about it that like, wow, people can't believe that that's actually a talent that somebody has. And what's so interesting is when I'm scrolling through TikTok, there are videos that go viral that honestly require, I hate to say this in a negative way, but there's videos that go viral that require no talent (laughs) and they're Mm -hmm. just trendy. Um, So there is a... Which ones? Name names. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's ones like people just are, they're not original with it. Like people hop on a trend because it's a sense of community. It's a sense of, wow, everyone is doing this like certain like dance where you're like head bopping and doing this kind of stuff. And yeah, is it Bella? Is that her name? Who? just going yeah. you you uh, did a duet with i she 
is so fascinating to me. I could talk about her very separate conversation uh, for a long time. But yeah, there are there are so many elements that go into making something viral that have just absolutely nothing to do with mm. your raw yeah. talent. Right. Yes. And we figured out later, too, that I, none of us knew that she could sing either. So that actually now is like, I think I kind of liked her approach. She went viral off something that didn't require talent. And now she's like, OK, but I also can sing. So then people are like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, you mm-hmm. sing. So singing and stuff is still cool. And music is still cool. And even like acapella is still cool. And I've seen acapella videos on TikTok, too, that have gone um, that have gone viral and get really good amount of views because people kids are really wowed by that, because I think a lot of time since it is such fast pace and people are just trying to get the likes and the views um, and the shares that when they see talent they're like oh that's really cool like i'm so used to seeing something that doesn't require talent to see something that does is actually really mm-hmm. interesting so mm-hmm. i think with acapella it's really good to keep things relevant you know i think it's good to look towards like social media apps it's good to look towards like the trending music kind of thing to get people like interested in that first like this is a song you guys are all listening to right now you right. know and yeah man, like truesdale's lightning in a bottle cover i think yeah. was really really impactful Totally. Yeah, definitely. So being like super trendy with it and choosing the the right kind of opening music and the opening chord or the opening uh, wow factor. And then as Mm -hmm. you go along, because what is interesting about on TikTok, I've noticed too that there are some like older songs that have gone viral mm. and become a trend now. Like the song goes lollipop, lollipop, oh yeah, sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that it's one's trending too. So or fly me to the moon has also been trending again. So it's right. it's interesting to see like what songs are captivating and kids don't always know where they come from, but they're good. Is there, is there a reason? Is there a reason those yeah, specific songs you. did? Like what's the what was the in? What was the angle? Was it a visual thing? Is it a topical time? timing thing like i think it's because of a mashup so with that one it was a visual trend like you said it was visual and also it had like a cool audio transformation effect so with that one it was like lollipop 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 and then they did something with a lighting effect and it transitioned to the song i'll take you to the candy shop so it had like a, an old song compared mashed up with the okay. new song with the cool right. visual effect with it. So and I definitely okay. think especially in terms of content something visual is very appealing cuz people like the transition. People like transformations going from like point A to point B I've noticed too. Mm-hmm. So I think with the right. acapella there's there's so many cool opportunities for that to happen as well to appreciate like a cool transformation of an old song to a new one or something very visually appealing that catches your eye because a lot it's so visual too at first i think having them both simultaneously can be really captivating yeah that's so smart page yeah i think you're so spot on that people really like things that are kind of juxtaposed or in opposition to one another Mm -hmm. so for instance i think the lollipop trend that you're talking about is like is a makeup trend right it's like a makeup and costume change trend Hmm. that goes from lollipop to candy shop Um, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And so you're able to balance the nostalgia and like the old timiness of lollipop and then boom, it then transitions very quickly into candy shop and your the character in the video takes on like a whole new persona and there's like a very fast transition. There's also like an artistry to that transition and like the cleaner it is, you know, the more impressive it is. I've also seen elements of songs going viral where the content in the video kind of has nothing to do 
with the song yeah and it's like that surprise Mm -hmm. and that humor Mm -hmm. that's part of it and kind of like the unexpectedness of that song being matched up with the action that takes place within the video Mm -hmm. totally right yeah i think you know Paige, i'd be curious what your perspective on this is too like you know one of the things that i've I've observed about TikTok, old millennial me, is like <laughs> that it's so personality driven, like you're saying. It's like, it's like how much of your personality can you put into this framework? Yeah. Right. That mm. seems to be like a lot of, a lot of what it's about is it's like these old songs kind of often go viral. It can be a mashup thing or it can be like, I'm thinking about it. Like I have the Jekyll and Hyde thing stuck in my head right now. There's this trend right now that I'll live inside you forever. Yeah. And it's like a fact that you wish you didn't know that you then. Exactly. Yeah, but but it's like, it's, a, it's this, it's, this like quirky musical thing that you like spin with your own personality that seems to be like about like a lot of what the success is on tiktok is like just putting your own personality into this kind of open door for you right it's like created but that's like created by this this quirky musical thing does that is that something that you're like thinking about in your process when you're like when you're creating things for me it definitely is all about personality because i've learned that much like of my growth has become people uh, definitely growth in any platform is because people really want to watch you and it yeah. doesn't always have to do with the talent it doesn't always have to do with like you said the song or are the song matching up to what the content is I think a lot of it does have to do with the person who's presenting it so that goes back to what I was saying about being authentic and like I do I laugh at myself and I'll take a lot of these trends or these songs and I'll totally make them my own and I know and it's funny because you know every creator gets like love comments and then hate comments or people being mm-hmm. you know <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, and I get sure. a mix of them. I have people saying like, "Um, she creeps me out, but I also love it." I don't know how to. ask you, yeah, because like the the baby videos that I feel like you're doing less of <laughs> these days really hit that like fascinating intersection of like creepy <laughs> but like amazing, and I couldn't look. Away. I couldn't stop. I looked at every single one. I like literally couldn't stop watching them. I would love to know. I've, like, well, I've yeah, what was the genesis of that? About the genesis of that and like your insight in that trend and and what your experience of can it we, was. Wait, let's, like let's explain what that was for people oh, okay, that, that sure. don't know. Yeah. So can you can you explain it? I mean, Paige, do you want to Paige, do you want to outline what that, I could, what that I, thing was? I could outline it for days. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you so much. I That is honestly the best compliment because I, ever since I was a kid, I've just always been so like imaginative and just mm-hmm. out, like silly, creative. <laughs> like um, I just like being the odd one out. I've just always have liked that. And so when I was a kid, I always had this like voice like this little kid voice that I just never Mm -hmm. got rid of (laughs) you said you know like getting later in life and I'm still talking like a child but it keeps Uh me young (laughs) so um as one does yeah you're So as I was, um, this character developed, I was on Snapchat one day looking through all the filters and I came across the the baby filter. I said, no way. That's, that's too perfect. And so I tried it on and I was just dying laughing at myself, like for hours, Mm -hmm. just like, (laughs) just, just making stuff and keeping it like private on my phone for a little while, just laughing. And so and then I started looking some more and I found there was a like a girl filter and then one that makes you look like a boy or if you're a boy it makes uh-huh. you look like a girl. So then, or in Paige's case makes you look identical to Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's so funny. It's so true. And I was dying laughing at it. So I just thought, okay, this is a perfect scenario to just make like a skit. And so I'm just like, like I said, I always like to be the odd one out. So I was like, Paige Paige needs to be like the baby Paige needs to be like Paigey. Like Paigey, it Mm -hmm. needs to be this character that is weird but cute at the same time. Like like you said, I wanted people to be like, this creeps me out, but also I can't, I don't want to look away. That's exactly you. You accomplished it. You, it's you. So totally nailed it. You totally nailed it. (laughs) Thank you. And honestly, I think I'm gonna create more of those because I thought I lost the filters, but I figured out how to find them. So now Ah, I'm gonna be back and rolling with that. Bring them back. Bring them back. Oh yeah. So because those are my favorite videos to create because that definitely like puts in a lot of like personality into that. And Mm -hmm. so I think once I developed that character, I, I did get a lot of my following from that because I think it really appealed to so many different audience types which is another thing that's really difficult to try and do within content creation even probably within live performance you know picking the right music or the right style it's hard to know like what kind of content can i create that appeals to every kind of generation or what mm-hmm. you know can this be enjoyable to everyone so i think with that skit my little like pagey and family skit i think i try to make it relatable to kids where and i don't really like to like swear or use profanity also in my videos because i don't know who's watching and i just like to be respectable mm-hmm. but that for that skit it was definitely something i rolled with for a while because it was relatable to people like that in the millennial age group or even like my parents age group and then mm-hmm. it was with gen z because uh they thought there was humor in it too so i started rolling with that um for a long while and sometimes those did better than beatboxing stuff i put out and mm-hmm. sometimes there's beatboxing stuff that did better than that and so sometimes it is really all up in the air what <laughs> what does totally. better than what but cool. so cool i Paige, feel like we've we've yeah we've we've picked your brain enough thank you well thank you, thank so, you much. so much thank, thank you so much, you Paige. guys are amazing you. stay safe stay tiktokin Yes. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that something that the Gen Zers say? Stay TikToking. Stay talking. Yeah. Stay talking. Stay talking. Oh boy. <laughs> that'd be a good. That'd be a good skit. there. So that's our show. Thank you all so much for listening. And it is actually time to take a little break. We're taking a little bit of time off. This is be our, our mid-season finale. So we're going to be back in a few months. But in the meantime, stay safe. Stay making acapella music. That's right. It's I think we're all kind of figuring out how to do this long distance. So. Go get some popcorn go and go to the lobby and, and wash your hands after you, you use the restroom. If you have to go to the bathroom, <laughs> now's the time. I actually don't know if this is a real song or a made-up song. I think it started real. And I don't know. No, I, it, it I, didn't start real. Real. No, it's it not didn't. real. No, it's, it's not. It's just the it song now, that lives though. in both of your hearts, clearly. Much like this, much like this podcast in general, everything's fake and made up by D. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Copyright 2020. Step off, bitches. Exactly. So thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Yep. We're at CounterPTPod. You can email us. We're CounterPTPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear anything you'd like us to talk about yes. when we come back from our break. And we'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye.